0: Hi, everyone. This is Andy Higgins, host and creator of the Alternative Investment Podcast. Since Jimmy and I started the show in 2021, the show has evolved. We started doing video, we changed the format, and we really just improved over time. So after we hit episode 100, we decided to go back and update those first few episodes for any listeners who are starting from the beginning. So this episode is a replay of a podcast that I recorded with Billy Keels, where I was the guest on the Going Long Podcast. You can check out the original version of this episode at firstgencp.com and billy's a really great guy wonderful host so make sure to check out his podcast as well and enjoy the show
1: you're listening to the alternative investment podcast we give you the insights and strategies you need to grow your wealth with alternative investments now here's your host andy Hagens. Today's the conversation that you're going to want to listen to until the very last word. Very last word, I promise, you know why? Because today's guest not only started uh, his career managing strategies as well as online lead generation. This guy, he also co-founded various startups from 2005 to 2012 and the host of the super popular podcast, The Alternative Investing Podcast. It gives me great pleasure to welcome to today's conversation, Mr. Andy Hagans. Andy, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me, Billy. I'm excited. This is fun. Oh, man, I cannot wait. This is going to be so, I just I loved our pre-conversation. I love just the ability to connect with you. I love the things that you're doing on your podcast already, the way that you are helping to build education, exposure uh, and also the real life experience that you had. And I'm sure that the entire Going Long family is going to learn loads, from this conversation today. So I'm super excited to jump into it. Andy, you ready to get started? Let's do it. I I love to talk. My team's always telling
0: me that I love to talk. And I'm like, well, that's why I need to be on podcasts, right? Right? I can get paid to talk.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly it. Oh, that's another thing that we have in common. Let me make sure that I add that to the notes here. Um, so, (laughs) So listen, as you know, Andy, You're going to get five questions from me, at least five questions. I'm going to give you two in the beginning here in just a second. You're going to get three in the very end. And then in the middle, well, we're going to get a bunch of questions. I just don't know what those are yet because they're going to be based on the answers and stuff like that. So you like to talk. I like to talk. Let's work on helping the entire Along family get to know more about you. So help us understand where is it that you call home today in the U.S. I live in Holland, Michigan. It's It's
0: a town in the Southwest corner of the state about Couple hours, two hours outside of Chicago. Uh, the town is called Holland, and we do have lots of tulips here. We have the tulip festival every year, so it's not just a name. Okay. It's very, very Dutch where we live here.
1: Okay, well, very fantastic. You know, I was just getting ready to say, man, that's like the perfect combination. Like with me being in Europe right now, you being in yeah. the states, Midwest, two Midwest guys in Holland, Michigan. Wow, that's fantastic, awesome. So appreciate you sharing that with us. And then also one of the other things, Andy, I really love positivity. Right, it's one of the cornerstones, and I think it's one of the things that helps us every day to continue to progress just a little bit forward faster. So, I would love for you to share with me and the entire Going Long family what is the most positive thing that's happened to you, or let's even say for you, in the last twenty-four hours.
0: I got to be honest, uh, the most positive thing that happens to me every day is waking up next to my bride, Diana. Um, I love business, I love the game, I love investing, I love startups. All that stuff, Uh, but at the end of the day, I'm a family man, Um, and you know, in business, I have up days and down days, and good days and bad days. Right? Like when you're running a business, there's always ups and downs. But uh, my wife, she always brightens my day. So I got to be honest; that's the most positive thing that happens to me every
1: day. You know what? And I absolutely love that you share that. That you share that perspective and the importance of being able to have that because, as you know, it goes beyond money, and then being able to have that person that brightens your day, that makes your day even that much brighter, happier, um, and just adds that little extra oomph is fantastic. So thank you so much for sharing that with us, helping to get things started off in the positive direction. Mm-hmm. And um, hey Andy, do you mind if I share a little something with you? No, no, go ahead. All right, well, here's the thing. I'm a recovering perfectionist. And what that <laughs> means is sometimes I try to do things that are, well, almost impossible right? And what I mean by that is trying to do things like telling your entire backstory in like one and a half seconds, or maybe I gave myself two seconds today. I don't know, but whatever it was, it was like impossible. You can't do that kind of stuff. So I put my hand up. I let you know I'm a recovering perfectionist, but most importantly, I really am going to ask you for your help because here I would love for you to share your backstory in your own words and because you're our guest today, you can take a lot more than two seconds. You take the time that you need to tell your backstory, so that we get a chance to know more about you. And then also, too, Andy, if you could share some of the major decisions that you've made to get to this point in your journey, and then we'll see where you and I take the conversation from there.
0: Yeah, I love it. Um, so I think I'm gonna I'm gonna start at age 21, right? So I, I won't go way back. I'll start uh-huh. kind of with my professional story. So I went to the University of Notre Dame, and my roommate Jimmy Atkinson. He's now my business partner. Uh, we hit it off. We we became you know great friends, and we both had. It's funny. I think it's is it a gene? Maybe it's not a gene. Maybe it's a gene that some it, it activates. We both have the entrepreneurship gene, and mm. I say gene because my dad is a business owner his dad is a business owner. So sometimes you know people will, will go into entrepreneurship and their parents were not entrepreneurs, but I do think that sometimes it is kind of you know you kind of you kind of have that gene. So we ended up starting a business in our dorm room, which I know sounds incredibly cliche, right? But it's true. Like we we did. And without going too much into that first business, it didn't it did not really click. Mm-hmm. But it led to our next business, which was a marketing business in lead generation. So we built that business up and we ended up selling it to private equity buyers. And then, believe it or not, so so that was age, shoot, that was like age 24, 25, when we sold that first one. Over the next six, seven, eight years, we built three more businesses and we ended up selling them all private equity buyers. Uh, one of those businesses that we built, by the way, was ETF database or ETFDB. Some people might, if if you're into exchange traded fund investing, some people have heard of that. It's now part of a much bigger company called Vetify, which is a really cool company. But we sold that. So we're, we're no longer involved with that. But we built these four businesses. And I just, I love startups. Like I'm a, a I just love that creative phase of building something, you know, that feeling you have of kind of, Starting from nothing, clean slate, like I can wake up, hit the day hard, do whatever I want, you know, but but obviously, trying to create value in the business. But this kind of gets me to my first mistake, realization, or whatever you want to call it, is Jimmy and I, we kept building these businesses and selling them to either strategic strategic buyers that were backed by private equity or to private equity buyers and the liquidity is great right like when you're in your 20s and you have the ability to you know sell your business and then you know go go buy a house you know and and I was starting a family at that time you know so it's i don't have any regrets like don't get me wrong i don't have any regrets like sometimes there are very good reasons to exit a business to have that liquidity event but i realized over a period of time it wasn't like one aha moment but it kind of gradually dawned on me that the private equity buyers, that side of all of these deals, they were actually doing better on the deals than we were. And again, yeah. I'm not, I'm not bitter that we sold these businesses, but it kind of dawned on me like, oh wow, we're we're building these businesses and selling them to these private equity folks. And then these private equity buyers, they're taking something that we build up to be big, you know, not huge, but significant. And then I watch them grow at 3x. Or 10x, 25x bigger, and I'm going, oh wow, that that's that's where the real money is made, you know, in a way. So that's kind of when it clicked for me. I actually want to be on the private equity side, uh, and and
1: that was the, that was kind of a, a a
0: turning point in my career, I would
1: say. Wow, you know what? That, so that's really interesting. So you and Jimmy at twenty-one, you go through this uh, point where, well, you you kind of seen this because you both had seen this from dad, and you go out there and you're probably ready to get out there and make your very first big, big uh, build your business and sell it off. And well, guess what? It didn't kind of work out that way. But one of the things that's really interesting is through this iteration, right? Because I've been living in Europe for a really, really long time, and 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 sometimes there's this there's this concept of, hey, listen, if you fail, then that's not a good thing. Right, but what I've just heard you talk about is well, you learned through that first event, right? And that first event led to the second, which led to the third, which led to a what sounds like a rinse and repeatable process. But you also talked about realizing, hang on a second, we're on one side of the fence or the other, mm-hmm. and maybe I kind of like what's going on on the other side of the fence. The very first question that comes to my mind, Andy, when I hear you talk about that, right? Cause you talked about this, like they're doing something different on the private equity side of things they are going three to 25 times is what was it that you recognized that they were doing differently, right? To the, to the, to the extent that you could have been exposed that really made you say, not just because it was the three to 25 X, but you're the startup person, right? You like being able to fix, build things, And so what was it that you were noticing that they were doing differently, that were taking something that you had built and done really well with your team, but then they took it three to 25 times even further beyond what it was worth.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess to, to use the economic or political terms, you have labor and you have capital. And as an entrepreneur, as a startup person, as a business owner, A a huge part of your value, maybe the the main part of your value, at least you think, is your labor, right? Like if if you're really good at something like like you know, you're very good at podcasting, you're very good on this passive and you know syndication side, that's really labor, right? That's a skill set that you have that creates economic value. Hmm. So I already know, I already knew. Well, I have a skill set, and and most people have a skill set that's economically valuable. But at a certain point, when you exit a business, well, now you have capital. And what, they, what the private equity folks were doing, what these groups were doing... By the way, they, they're very talented. They're entrepreneurs in their, in their own right, right. It's not that they're not startup guys. It's not that they're not entrepreneurs. What they're doing differently is they're leveraging their labor and... Their capital. Like they're because I was just putting my labor to work. And honestly, the businesses that we built, one of them was kind of a roll-up where we were we were putting capital to work, where we raised money from other investors. But two of them, yeah, at least two of them were just like pure labor plays, like you know, the kind of thing you bootstrap. Yeah, Mm yeah, you start the business with ten thousand dollars, like it's just totally bootstrapped. So what you know, what I saw them doing was they'd already had these successful careers where they've been able to you know earn capital save a bunch of money they're managing their own private portfolios private wealth and what they're doing is they're combining their expertise their value add their talents with their capital and so if you're going to 3x something or 10x something do you want to start with that $10,000 startup and then 10x that well like that's that's cool but what these guys were doing is they were acquiring businesses for 2 million, 4 million, 10 million, 15 million dollars or in the private equity world, you know, sometimes they're buying businesses for a billion dollars or whatever. Mm-hmm. If you 3x that, if you 10x that, if you 25x that, you know, you can do the math, right? Like yeah. it's a way higher returns.
1: Yeah, it's, and so the returns are higher. But at the end of the day, and and so this talks to the person as well that is listening to what you're saying and saying, well, yeah, Billy, but one is ten thousand, the other is you know a, a million or three million. But I think what is really important to understand what Andy is saying is the mechanics, right? The mechanics are are very similar. I won't, I dare not say that they're the same, but they're very similar. However, it's just you're attacking different problems at different at different phases, which therefore also creates different multiples in terms of what the returns are would that would that be accurate that's totally true billy and I, like i want to
0: be clear i encourage anyone with any amount of savings to think about investing and putting their capital to work cuz it's almost it's almost like you want to form that habit that's like a success habit put your money to work let your money earn you more money hmm. right but the fact of the matter is there are different phases if you're at a point in your life where you're in a, just an entry level job and you're barely earning any money, that advice to save 10% of what you earn, it's like, that's, that's, you should, yeah, you absolutely should. But honestly, the main thing is you should concentrate on earning more if you want to be successful. And that's really step one is to play offense, is to be able to save some significant money, right? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Could could you repeat that? Just because I want to make sure that people actually understood what you just said there, because that was like super powerful. Would you mind repeating that? Well, I
0: I guess which I'm going to repeat kind of it all. It's important to save and invest no matter where you are. So even if you're like literally, I mean, unless you're literally hand to mouth, if you can save anything, 5% of your paycheck, start investing to form the habit but also realize if you want to follow this kind of path of private equity that you need to basically focus on your career start earning money so you can save a significant
1: amount of capital then the numbers get a lot more exciting yeah and and that's and that's the 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 point there and I appreciate you repeating it because it's well, number one understanding that you need to understand your individual context number one number two is being able to save is something that's important but if that is not where you are today make sure that you are doing everything that you can to generate income right and when you're able to generate income and then you're able to siphon a portion of that then you can get into a different game and, and the re- the reason I say that Andy is you know I gr- I grew up and you know I watched both of my parents work two jobs most of their lives and so they worked harder and harder and harder but that siphoning off to be able to actually have savings to then get into another game that part was one of the things that I didn't see, right? I didn't see. It took me quite later to realize like, okay, yeah, go out and earn a lot. But then I also realized, okay, earning a lot is one thing. Keeping a lot is another thing, right? Because the more that you can keep, it allows you to play in different games. So here's one of the things like, and, and, and we talked about this before and I, you know, where you kind of started was in an area of, of, of leads and the importance of leads and those types of things. I would like for you to talk about that just because for anyone who is a um, an aspiring business owner, for someone who really wants to be able to create a future for themselves, the importance of being able to generate um, uh, awareness of what it is that you're doing. Can you talk to a little bit about that? Because that's probably one of the things that you and Jimmy were doing way back in the day um, And it's something that's still relevant today. And I know you've also learned a lot from that. So maybe you could share some of your past experiences with us. That's a great question. Um, And
0: I'm going to do my best to tell you the truth. And it may be something totally different from what most people will tell you. Okay. To me, I look at marketing, leads, sales. You have two ends of the spectrum. And by the
1: way, this is a lesson that took me like 20 years to learn. So, get your, pin, not- get, your, get your pins and paper out, everyone. Yes, I did say <laughs> pen and paper because he's getting ready to share some knowledge. Get ready. Well, you have direct marketing on one end, and I
0: love direct marketing. Direct marketing is the thing where maybe it's on Google AdWords or Facebook ads or whatever channel. If you can put a dollar into spend on that channel and get back $1.10. Then you recycle the next dollar into the channel, you get out a dollar and ten. That's direct marketing where you're looking for sales as quick as you can. You put you put money, time into a marketing channel, you get those sales back, and that allows you to invest more money into that sales channel. So that's direct marketing. Mm-hmm. And I love direct marketing. And so everybody should concentrate on a channel that can grow immediate sales. But but the real money is made in the branding. And that's a long-term game. So what I've kind of learned is ultimately if you have to choose one, well, I think I would choose branding, but but normally branding takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of money, it takes consistent effort. And so if it's like, I'm I'm focused right now on building a 10-year brand. Okay, mm-hmm. that's that's a long time. Well, I need to make sure I have enough cash coming into my company. And my company's succeeding for 10 years to even have the ability to do that. So you need to focus on the short term and you need to also focus on the long term. That branding is super important. But now on the short term for a second, okay, this is another thing that this is something that I have learned again from that school of hard knocks of entrepreneurship, which is when Jimmy and I got started in lead generation, we were honestly good at, at like one thing, which was SEO, search engine optimization. So we were getting like all of our leads... Off of Google, mm. and and by the way, we weren't necessarily doing a great job of building a brand. Like maybe one of our businesses did a really good job of that, but the other three were more just direct marketing. Well, the way that we actually had success with those businesses was getting good at one thing, and just scaling the living heck out of that one thing, and and that's like a big that's a big tip that I still live by. So to be transparent, where we are right now. Is is like basically a month ago. I woke up and I was like, you know, I'm getting a lot of traction and audience and engagement and leads off of LinkedIn. And I was like, let's just not even bother with all those other social sites. Let's just focus on LinkedIn for six months. And we literally we kind of teed it up and got started mm-hmm. yesterday. So my secret weapon, uh, Scott, he's on our team. He's really driving that forward. And like even right away. We're like literally in one day. I'm like, well, we already have more traction. So, right now, we're just focusing on that one channel. So, my advice if you're in sales, if you're building a business, you probably already kind of have a sense of which channel you're good at. And so, rather than say, I need to be on Twitter, I need to be on Facebook, I need to be on LinkedIn, I need to do this, I need to do that. Well, everybody needs an email list. But aside from that, focus on what you're good at, try and scale that and really crush one channel. Once you've been crushing that channel for 6 months, okay, now go ahead and add that second channel.
1: Yeah, absolutely love that. Um, Just to talk to the importance of leads, being able to build business, understanding the importance between where where it's coming from, direct or in that direct marketing space, which is something that's going to be a a shorter time frame versus the longer time frame. Love how you frame that with the brand. Um, And so... appreciate that insight. I want to pivot a little bit because Mm -hmm. I know even as you're talking today, and it's one of the things that you are passionate about, right? And you're so passionate about it. You even have a podcast about it, right? The Alternative Investment Podcast. (laughs) So I'm a big fan of alternative investments. People throw the word around all over the place. It means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Mr. Higgins, I want to ask you, help us understand what in the world, when you say an alternative investment, how do you define that?
0: Billy, you just asked like the heart, it should be the simplest question ever. It's actually the hardest question ever. And in fact, I have, I literally have experts in the alts industry on my show and I ask them the same question. Everybody like sighs when you ask that question because it's, it can be a little complicated, but I'm going to do my best to give the simple answer, which is traditional investments stocks, bonds, and cash. And if you have something like a mutual fund or an index fund or ETF that's holding stocks or bonds, we can kind of squint and say, well, those are stocks and bonds, right? Those are traditional investments. Alternative investments is anything else. So uh, a private, any kind of a private fund that's not publicly traded, multifamily fund, multifamily syndication deal, any kind of real estate, Ah, uh, private equity, you know, buying businesses, venture capital, angel investing, farmland, commodities, just really, anything that's not stocks, bonds, or cash is an alternative
1: investment. Thank you for simplifying that, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> and as you explain, right, it's sometimes it makes me laugh because, it's really the exception are the things that are were sold on Wall Street. <laughs> it seems like the rest of the world is what we call alternative, uh, which is sort of a, I guess, misnomer, you know. The, the 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 alternatives are actually pretty much anything and everything that is not um directly related to um to Wall Street. So anyway, I just I, I thought I would ask that yeah, question. You're right. I know you're right. But, but I know it's 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 one that um because I didn't even know this. I I didn't even know the world existed now. Um, you know, growing up the the way that I did. But then later you realize that there is a a whole world out there. There's the world of private placements. There's the the different types of exemptions and whether you're an accredited investor or whether you're a qualified investor and uh, and, are professional, uh, qualified professional and in these different types of terms that provide you access to other types of investments trusting that you're enjoying today's conversation. And you know what, if you're tired of getting crushed by taxes and you're looking for greater freedom to be able to choose what you wanna do when you wanna do it, make sure that you go to firstgencp.com forward slash goinglong and see how we can help you today. Let's get back to the conversation. These types of sometimes alternative investments, Andy, My belief, I understand what I think, but there's, there there tends to be, if it comes from Wall Street, there tends to be this idea that there's so much risk related to alternative investments. Um, I know that (laughs) risk and and like risk adjusted returns and these types of things are something that you're even smiling about now, right? Mm -hmm. Talk to us about when, when we're looking in the alternative investment space and this whole concept of risk. And how we should be evaluating uh, risk. Could you talk to us, just enlighten us a little bit about uh, what your thoughts are around that? Well, that's a great question. And I guess why I was smiling
0: was because when people say alternative investments are risky, I, I agree. Like, I, I actually, I think that's right in the sense that when you're investing in anything, you have to understand what you're investing in or you're going to be in for a hard time. Yeah. But the, why I smile that's also true of stocks and bonds. Like, did did inv- like did like everyday investors know that you can lose 20% of your capital in, in bonds in a year? Or, the, you know, in 2008, did investors know that the stock market can just literally draw down by 50%? Mm-hmm. And then you might say, well, but then it went back up. And I'm like, well, the stock market did, but a lot of investors actually sold at the bottom. So no, they didn't really ride it back up. They actually did take that permanent hits of their portfolio so there's risk in any type of investment especially uh the biggest risks number one if you don't understand it if you're not willing to put in the time to research it and understand it uh and then number two behavioral risk i think this is the risk that is talked about the least but is probably the most important behavioral risk is you know you're you're your own worst enemy as an investor Ninety-nine times out of a hundred, and maybe if you're if you're listening to this, there's one person in the world that's going to be the world's next Warren Buffett, but it probably isn't you. I know it's not me. I'm not the world's next Warren Buffett. So I mean, you, you're yeah. So you're probably prone to the same behavioral traps that the rest of us are. And so a big behavioral trap that people have in the traditional markets is they buy high and they sell low. Because those assets, because they're liquid, they're being repriced in real time, day in and day out. Mr. Market's repricing every stock, at, you know, every index fund, every ETF. Mm-hmm. And a lot of investors, when they see those numbers go down, they panic. They sell at the bottom. That's a huge drag on returns. So when you see that graph of the S&P and you mm-hmm. say, oh, the S&P returns 8% a year in the long run. Well, that, what, that's not what it returns to the typical investor. The typical right. investor actually trails that return because of that behavioral risk. So with alternatives now, by contrast, you know when people talk about risk, one of the first things they go to is, these are illiquid. And that is a type of risk in a way, like if you need cash and your investment's not liquid, you may not be able to access it at all. Or if you access it, you have to sell it like at a a deep discount or pay a penalty. So sure, that's a risk. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, I'm like, well, that can also be a protection because some of these alternatives, the fact that they're illiquid, I look at it like, it's a feature, not a bug, because like the market, you know, the real estate market, all these REITs are down, right? Mm-hmm. And so a lot of uh, folks who own publicly traded REITs, they're tempted to sell out because the market's down. Well, if you're in a private placement owning real estate through an alternative investment, maybe you can't sell right now. And that might end up being a really good thing because those investments may be worth way more in five years. and so the fact that you were illiquid may end up being a good thing. So, you know, the risks, there are risks in all of this stuff, but my thing is, you know, uh, sometimes the risks of these publicly traded markets aren't really talked about and they're really hurting a lot of
1: investors. Yeah. And when you have that, that, um that impact, that negative impact on investors that, you know, you're, you, sh- you bring to light two things that I believe are extremely important, right? Because as you talk about risk and I w- want, you as a, as a going-along family to understand what Andy's saying, he said, first, it's education, it's knowledge, right? If you don't have the knowledge, of course everything is risky because you don't even know what you're doing. So at least start there. But then also recognize who you are as an investor. What are the things that you feel, com- one, educated around, and two, that you feel comfortable investing you use a perfect example, Andy, the liquidity versus being illiquid. Well, you know what? Sometimes when, when you have the right team in place, you have the right knowledge, you've asked the right questions, you've gotten all of the things that internally would have kept you from making, taking a, uh, making a decision. You've started with the knowledge, you got the behavioral stuff out, and then it's time to move forward. And then being able to understand what are some of the potential impacts that could happen over the next month three years, five years, 10 years, right? Because the time horizons are different for every one of these different investments. You have to feel comfortable with that from an education, a knowledge base, as well as from a behavioral base. So I love how you uh, how you broke that down for us, Andy. Thanks, uh, thanks so much. Um, another thing I did want to ask you, and it goes to this, this concept of, because you, you've seen a lot, right? You've invested in and have been exposed to the gamut as it relates to investments there's always this question of portfolio diversification or portfolio specification, right? Mm-hmm. Could you talk to us a little bit about what your, what your thoughts are or also too, as you interact with other thought leaders on this kind of concept of diversification versus specification and kind of how we can be thinking about that to better move forward towards our life goals or our life priorities. Well, that's a great
0: question. I mean, I think it has to start from the premise that every investor is unique. Every investor's goal situation is unique. Also, mm-hmm. every investor's liquidity needs are unique. Mm-hmm. So back to that last point about liquidity versus illiquidity. And and this, was, this is back to the mistake that I realized I was making when I was scaling businesses and selling them. I was selling these privately owned businesses, taking the proceeds and in, largely investing them in liquid assets uh you know stocks bonds etfs index funds and by the way i still own plenty of traditional investments so mm-hmm. i do have a very diversified portfolio that's that's what's right for me but i realized like i had like liquidity is expensive you know in the in the sense that a typical bond fund a typical stock fund they actually don't generate very much income like the fact that they are liquid Essentially, you know, on a conceptual basis, means that they trade at a premium; that they have a higher multiple. So, if if you don't, the concept is if you don't need the liquidity, then generally, I think you're better off investing in illiquid investments if they're right for you. If you're willing to research them, mm. you know, again, it's, this is personal. If you can't live with the illiquidity, if you can't sleep at night being illiquid, then don't do it. It's, mm. Your portfolio's got to fit you. But in general, again. On a conceptual basis, I've noticed with my investments, the illiquid investments, the private equity, the private stuff, the angel investments, those types of things, they generate much higher returns than what I have in traditional investments. That being said, what helps me sleep at night is that diversified portfolio. So that's what I, it fits me. It's it's what I want. I'm a personal, you know, it's, it's personal to me. That's what I'm comfortable with. So um, that's what I do. And I'm a big alternatives believer but I still own those traditional investments because I like the diversified portfolio.
1: And so understanding that you have a strong focus on alternative type of investments, you're also invested in what people would say, quote unquote, traditional. <laughs> One of the things that what i what I'm taking away from what you're saying is that it's about understanding yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you've been in a different place. I mean, I've gone through this, but what would you say to that person who's the, they're the busy, high paid professional, high income earner today. They're super busy. They're listening to you and I and they're thinking to ourselves, well, wow, that sounds really great. Andy knows himself and he knows that he's focused on his liquidity goals, but he also knows he, for his situation, he feels that it's the right thing to have a diversified portfolio. Uh, Billy knows where he's focused. Da, da, da. I'm just so busy. I don't even know how to figure out what is the right thing for me. What do you say to that person that knows that what they're doing today, that there's not even almost a strategy there. They're just doing, they're setting it and forgetting it because that's what they were taught. They were so busy now in their job or whatever is going on in life. They just need maybe some direction to say, how do I even figure out what's the right thing for me? What do you say to that person, Andy? That's a good question. I would say step one,
0: take out your phone. Okay. Open up your calendar. Schedule out time Mm -hmm. to even think of this, address it, brainstorm it. Because Billy, think how amazing this is that this is literally your future. Or, or, you know, if you're like me, you're a married man or or married woman. If you have kids, maybe a parents you take care of, not only your future, this might be other people's future. And you're not even thinking about it. You're not. And you haven't even scheduled out any time, by the way, an hour a year. I schedule out literally an hour a year, just kind of an annual portfolio checkup, you know, it's barely any time, but even just that, uh, putting it on my calendar and having that accountability, like this is important enough that I need to schedule a little bit of time to think about it and address it. That's literally step one. If you're not even willing to block out an hour to think about this, then I, what can I really do to help you? You have to that's step one. It's just love like it. decide that decide that you're worth it, that your family is worth
1: it to to figure this out. That would be step one. love it and keep it simple, right And yeah. typically, and I love how you use the example of the of taking out your phone because the things that are in your phone, usually in your calendar, are the things that are the priorities, yes. and so you must make that time for those things in your life that are priorities. And if this is important, moving forward towards your life goals and your life priorities, listen to what Andy just said. Literally, make an hour for yourself. Start jotting this down. Get in touch. Andy's got an amazing podcast. He'll give you wonderful ideas. We already talked about it, the Alternative Investment Podcast. Um, You're here listening to the Going Long Podcast. You've got Google. You've got a number of different things that can at least help you get started and then reach out to people who are actually doing um, that will help you move forward faster as well. Um, Andy, before we get into the going along final three, and I know we talked about this in the beginning, but I do want you to tell us a little bit about um, what you've got going on at the uh, Alternative <clears throat> Investment Database, because I know that that's something also too, that's, uh, that's helping people to get their life goals and priorities in order and, and, and in shape. We didn't even really talk about it. Talk to me a little bit about what's going on. So yeah, so my partner, Jimmy and I, we both
0: have podcasts he has the opportunity zone's podcast which is also it's it's um a really cool podcast on that covers this really niche type of private equity fund mm-hmm. i have the alternative investment podcast that covers it mainly covers private equity but it, but it also covers you know venture capital private credit really any type of alternative investment mm-hmm. and what our goal is you know you you kind of talked about education being step one with alternative investments there really is a lack of information, a lack of understanding. It's just opaque. opaque is the word my my business partner jimmy always uses it's It's relatively opaque. I mean, if you want to learn about index funds, stocks and bonds, there are like one million books you can buy, right? and they're just they're just more approachable. There's also books about alts, but they're they're honestly just less approachable. So what our goal is is we're educating folks and we're covering. We're covering these products, these strategies and tactics for investors. And I think here's the important part and why it's kind of working is at the end of the day, we're investors. You know, I'm an invest. I'm an LP, you know, funds like like your fund, similar types of private equity investments. I invest in them. So actually, I live it. I have that experience. So does Jimmy. And so we, I, I guess, I don't want to say we're objective, but we kind of see the market from the eyes of the investor right like i'm at the end of the day i'm not really any different from your listener because mm-hmm. i'm not a financial industry professional i'm an lp investor so we cover all these products and strategies and i mean we have uh, great guests on our show i'm hoping to get billy on the show soon you know folks like him just talking about their strategies how they generate alpha for investors and five seven eight times a year we're, we're scaling up this year we hold events So that's actually, that's, that's our main thing. Like the podcasts bring in the audience and they do a good job at that. Mm -hmm. But our events, like those are where the real magic happens. So, you know, you kind of mentioned, you kind of alluded to this. There's a lot of LPs or even potential LPs that are like, I want to invest. I want to learn more about this. I don't like, where do I start? Where do I begin? So I got good news for you. We run these invest investor events and they bring together leading private funds, leading managers on the one hand. On the other side, we invite high net worth accredited investors and it's free for the investors. It's free. They're online events. And so they're basically jam packed all day. And it's a combination of educational content and fun presentations where these managers are talking about their funds. And you know, there's other uh, conferences and things in the industry. They're more like B2B where like, professionals are getting together talking to other professionals and i'm like no i want to see action happen i want to see like people decide like get hooked into a strategy and learn about that strategy and then decide literally tomorrow i'm placing 250k in capital into that fund because i just connected with this manager and so it's it's all live Mm -hmm. it's real time and we allow people to kind of engage with each other and then we also we also do educational segments so it's not just transactional it's kind of a combination they've been super successful investors love them um and and fund managers love them because you know they'll try and run webinars on their own and like sometimes it can be hard to get even 50 people to show up for a webinar right, right? and we're like well, come present at our show we have like a thousand plus lp investors that register that that want to know more about funds so yeah. Those are, those are really the main part of our business. But honestly, the, the most fun I have is with my podcast. Cause as you know, I love to talk. So
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. We've, we've got that in common, man. I, and I appreciate <laughs> you helping us understand a bit more, um, about what you're, what you're doing, helping us understand not just your podcast, but also Jimmy's podcast and, um, and also how you are continuing to help to educate as well as, um, bring people together. Right. Cause at the end of the day, uh, this is a lot of what, uh, what it's about. And so Here's the other thing, though. I know you and I love the talk, Andy, but it's kind of, I've got to get get us into the going long final three. But the thing is, I never get us into the going long final three unless you tell us, because you're our special guest today, that you're ready. Are you ready? I'm ready for the final three. Let's do it. I knew you'd be ready, man. You were born ready. I knew that about you. So here we go. So we started with you over in Holland, Michigan. I want to bring it back. Even though I'm from Columbus, Ohio, I want to bring things back to this side of the pond because this is what I've been calling home for the last 22 years. Help us understand, Andy, what is your favorite European city that you've either visited or is still on your bucket list to visit?
0: So I'm going to give you my bucket list city in Europe, which is I'd really love to go to Lourdes in France. Um, so if any listeners are Catholic, you probably know the story of Bernadette and Our Lady of Lourdes. Mm. Uh, well, my favorite saint is St. Zalie Martin. Mm. Uh, she's French, right? So she lived in mm. France. And when she was six, she went on a pilgrimage to Lourdes uh, for healing. And I find St. Zaley's story just like so meaningful and inspirational to me. And so I really want to follow in her footsteps. I want to go to Lourdes. I'd love to bring my family with me. That's probably going to have to wait a few years because we have a, literally we have a baby. So okay. I'm not into flying to Europe <laughs> like a baby.
1: That's probably no, Don't gonna do, don't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just wait. <laughs> that's, my, that's my bucket list though. I want to go to France. I want to go to Lourdes. All right. Okay. Well, that's fantastic. Well, my 22 year one year sabbatical that started 22 years ago started in France as well. So absolutely fantastic. Question number two has a lot to do with successful people. And I know you know a lot about people that are successful, being a successful person yourself. I have um, I have also been exposed to lots of people that are extremely successful and I've noticed a couple of traits. And so I'd really love for you to help me here. But like one of the things, and I mean, you're a startup guy, so you've done this, you've seen this over and over and over again, right? The thing that people that are very successful do differently than most, Andy, is that they typically have a plan, right? And one of the things that they do differently is with that plan, they get the plan, no matter how many different plans they have, each one of those plans, they get them done and they are done perfectly every time, the first time, which allows successful people to go on. He's kind of smiling at me. I don't even know what he's smiling about. No, you know what? This is my show. I do it all the time. I get all excited. I think I figure this is No, I just that. I love no, the I love this feel on on everything going perfectly. That just makes me laugh. No, it's uh, just, yeah, you know. it's, it's 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 of course. Like it's yeah, it's just me having fun with my show. I'm usually like are yeah. people paying attention? And the smile on Andy's face. If you guys are not watching the video version, you need to check out the video version cuz the smile just went from like literally ear to ear. Of course, Andy, you know how it goes, man. People have this idea that successful people get things right every time the first time, and it's just simply not true. The reality is the most successful people usually make 20 to 50 times more mistakes than anybody else because they're always trying new things. But here's the thing. The first part was a joke, right? Just me having fun. But this is, the, this is real. The idea is Those people that are really successful, every single time they make a relevant mistake, a relevant mistake, or learning opportunity, or call it whatever you want to call it, every single time they learn from that mistake, but more importantly, what they do after is amazing. They put different strategies, tactics, and actions in place to minimize the probability of that exact same thing happening again. So you're someone who's successful. I don't want you to think about the learning opportunities. I don't want you to think about the mistakes that were made, but more importantly, what were the lessons and more importantly for the going long family today, what is the one lesson that you want to share with us that, you know, we need to hear to be able to get closer to our life goals and priorities and minimize the probability of making that same type of mistake. Well, two, they're really the
0: same thing, but Earlier, I talked about how we, you know, when Jimmy and I were in our 20s, early 30s, we built these businesses, we sold them. And I realized, you know, the private equity side, they were doing well in these deals. I was like, okay, that's the game I want to play. I want to stop building and selling businesses. I want to start, you know, investing on the private equity side, leveraging my capital along with leveraging, you know, my time and my talents. But that's, that's, that's kind of the the lesson on the first level but i think the deeper lesson is i was thinking too small and so now i'm my best advice is to think big if you have a big dream it probably scares you a little bit mm-hmm. because it's like well If I say that dream out, if I tell somebody that dream, well, that's already really scary. I don't even want to say this out loud. What if they laugh at me? Or even if I admit to myself that I really want this dream. Well, now I've just raised the stakes because what if I don't achieve that dream? Now, you know, now I feel like a failure because I failed. So it's like, I don't even want to, I don't even want to identify this dream, but I believe most people are capable of way more than they know that they're capable of. Mm. And so my best advice and what I'm trying to do is think big because you're probably capable of like 10 times more than you think you're capable of. So don't settle, don't settle for the half dream, like whatever it is you really want, take that risk to say it out loud and say, that's what I really want and, and then go after it.
1: Love it, absolutely love it. So think big, think bigger, and go after it. Uh, love that. Here's the last question, Andy. I always love for us to fill our brains with knowledge. You've shared a number of different things with us already, but what is one book that you would recommend to the Going Long family today? Ten X uh, by Grant Cardone. Uh,
0: it it is absolute fire. I mean, my thing is is if you can get inspired and take action you don't need the perfect plan you can make plenty of mistakes but if you can get motivated you know if you can can you identify that big dream and then find a way to keep yourself motivated to hit it hard i think that's when people become unstoppable and you know i think grant cardone he's just a great really inspirational guy and you gotta fill your life with things that inspire you to take action and inspire you to success so I definitely would recommend that
1: one. I'm having my whole team read it and they're loving it too. We're just soaking it up. All right, fantastic. So 10X, and don't worry everybody, if you're running on the treadmill, we're going to have the links in the show notes. So all you need to do is click a link. Don't stop. stop. If you don't worry if you're cooking dinner or all that kind of stuff. We'll, we'll make it really, really simple for you. So you know, and Andy, this is just one of these things, right? You and I both like talk. I can't even believe this conversation. Like it's just gone by so fast. And I'm thinking to myself, well, you and Jimmy at Notre Dame, and you're figuring out you guys want to go out and you want to do something. You want to set the world on fire. You've got these father entrepreneurs, these role models. So you guys go out, you're ready to set the world on fire. And the very first thing you do, well, it doesn't work out exactly like you thought, but you know what? You gained a lot of experience and you started to recognize that there's certain patterns that you could do. And so From By the time you were 24, 25, not only had you started to repeat, but you recognized that there was a process. You rinsed and and repeated the process a number of times till you got to the point to realize like, wow, we're so good at this. But then I'm looking on the other side, the people that are actually taking what we've created from scratch... Are right, And then three to 25 times in this. And so hang on a second, this whole labor versus capital thing, how can we figure this out so that I can, you can get to the life that you really want to live. And so as you start putting these things together, you realize that you also want where you want to be, that you want to continue to have your capital work harder. You understand yourself because you've sat down, you've prioritized your time, you've built your life goals and priorities understood the type of portfolio that you want to be able to have to get you to the lifestyle that you want to lead. And along the way, you continue to make the focus of your world, the alternative investment space. You even have a podcast named after it, and you're bringing people together so that they can take theory and put it into practice. And so the entire going along family is thinking to myself that Billy, just get over it. Just ask him the question, please. So here's what everybody really wants to know, Andy. What is the best way for the Going Long family to find out more about what it is that you're doing and also how we can find out more about what you're doing at the Alternative Investment Database? Over to you. Yeah. 100%
0: connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, We love LinkedIn. There's a lot of social platforms. Some of them, you know, I don't care to spend my time on them necessarily, but there's a lot of good stuff on LinkedIn. So all of your listeners, if you want to connect with me, just look up Andy Hagens on LinkedIn. Send me a request, I'll accept it. So I want to hear from you guys, and you know I'm just happy to connect there. All right. And, and one other plug, if I can make one other. Plug go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. To your listeners, okay. I know that your show has helped a ton of people. Right, And I've watched some of these before I came on. I watched some of the episodes. I'm like, this Mm -hmm. this guy's really good. I love this show. And my team said the same thing. They're like, this guy's really good. I'm like, I know. So if you're listening to this right now and this show has helped you, please pay it forward and give Billy, go open up your, don't wait and say, I'll do this later. Get your phone out right now. Open it up. Go to Apple Podcasts, go to Spotify, leave a rating and review. Because not only does that help Billy... But that's going to help the next investor, the next person that needs this message, that needs all the other episodes, all those messages. You're paying it forward to help spread the word. Um, So that's my plug is I'm asking your audience to rate and review this because I'm a podcast host. I know how much that means, how much (laughs) that helps us. So...
1: Yeah, I appreciate that, Andy. Really, really thank you very much. And uh, yes, definitely, uh, everyone, if you want to leave that honest written review as well as rating, feel free to do that. And the one thing I would also too say is uh, going along family, remember when you reach out to Andy on LinkedIn, the one rule that we have here is make your request a personalized request on LinkedIn because we also like LinkedIn and let Andy know that you've already invested your most valuable asset, which is your time to get to know him make it a personalized invitation. That's going to help the two of you continue the conversation. It's going to be much more meaningful and it's going to let him know that you've already invested your time together. And guess what? He's he's already said he's going to connect with you, but it's going to give him even more incentive to want to do that. So um, yeah, so listen, Andy... Yeah, thank you. Well, and it's definitely and when you when you send that
0: request, say that you found me
1: through this show.
0: That's yeah. how I'll definitely connect with yeah, you. yeah, Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. yeah. Let them know. You've already listened to them here on the Going Long yeah. podcast and you're reaching out, love the conversation. Uh and yeah, man. So listen, Andy, I can't thank you enough for deciding to invest your time with me and the entire Going Long family today, man. Thank you so very much from the bottom of my heart. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Billy. I had a lot of fun. All right, awesome. if you give me 10 seconds, I'm gonna wrap things up really, really quickly and then I'll get you out of here. Go along, family. I mean, what else can I say? I mean, there were like drop the mic moments here with Andy. He's telling you about all of his experience, the things that he's done well, the things that he's learned from by not doing things well. Take today's conversation, share it with one or two people, take the theory, talk about it, Heck, reach out to Andy's giving you the opportunity to do that. And so while you're going from theory to practice, I'll be here preparing for the very next conversation. So until then, go out and make it a great day, and thank you very much. That's it for today's show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a rating and review to help spread the word to other investors. And we'll be back soon with another episode.